Within Litterfall, your calling is made. Be it an aphid rancher or dew collector, those who have the courage to grow and protect are summoned. This week on the podcast, join me, Zach Walsh, as I speak with Jim Hall about the upcoming tabletop role-playing game, Beetle Knight. Set in a world inhabited by nightly arthropods, you'll explore the land and clear great evil wherever you travel. Gather your party and set on an adventure right now on Schedule for Launch. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I'm really incredibly excited to be talking with a creator who's done something that I really want in the space, and I'm really excited about it, and it's currently, well, it's going to be funding in like two days from now. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show this week to talk about Beetle Night. Thanks for having me, Zach. I'm happy to be here. I think how we met was I put up a thing on threads, right? That's how we, we came into contact with one another. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about right. And I was like, Oh yeah, I got a project. You were like, yeah, you play as little beetles and it's like a fantasy thing. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> like right up my alley. This is what I want in my life. And I checked it out and the art is so good. It's such a good draw into it. And I'm really excited to be talking about that stuff. Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> I'm just so excited to see more of Beetle Knight. But before we really dive into what it is and how it plays, Jim, can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So I've been uh, creating role playing game adventures, mostly for Karen and Fifth um, Edition. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I really did a lot of that back in 21 and 22 and got into the publishing side during COVID, like a lot of the creators out there. And then I've been an illustrator uh, for, you know, my entire life. And so, you know, one of the big kind of catalysts for this game was actually the cover art, which I spent around a month drawing. (laughs) I know you mentioned it, but, uh, yeah. And so, you know, just between illustration, playing role-playing games, uh, I started getting into publishing and, um, you know, doing the layout and all the writing and all the art. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then it also is a lot of work though. So I've been trying to work with more people, um, and that brings in a whole new kind of set of uh, sort of skills that you have to develop um, mm-hmm. and the network and that stuff. So uh, that that's kind of what I've been doing. And you're producing those games under uh, Brooklet Games, right? Is that how that's pronounced? Yep. That's the, the moniker, Brooklet Games. Um, Brooklet as in a tiny stream. It's also got the adorable snail. And I love them. <laughs> yeah, I'm I definitely. Uh, I have a theme going on with like bugs and <laughs> nature. And, yeah, I mean, it's just what I'm into. About how many other projects have you published under that, by the way? Oh, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe um, 
five or six zines and then a couple of smaller things like a, I did a, a little world building pamphlet uh, kind of recently that gives you some prompts for a collaborative world building session. Um, and if you haven't done a collaborative world building sort of experiment, I highly recommend doing it. Yeah, I guess that's that's about it. I, I, I've done a couple other things too, like, um, I don't know, I, I've contributed art to actually Barkeep on the Borderland. I did them up for that. Um, okay, I'm familiar with Barkeep on the Borderland. Yeah, um, and then other stuff like uh, uh, Against the Dark Master, I did some maps for that. So, yeah. Yeah, you've been around, you've shown your stuff, you've put out a couple of things. It's it's really cool, and like I said, one of the, the things that does kind of breathe in a, a really big breath of life and just evoking the imagery that you're going for is that cover art for this this newest project beetle knight what is it what's beetle knight well it is a tabletop role-playing game where you play as uh well you can play as beetles but you can play as other bugs as well like a firefly or moth or other things um and you're kind of exploring the uh the wilderness societies that other arthropods uh, exist in and there's these sort of overlapping cultures and factions that you have to navigate and help make peace with um and yeah that, that's kind of the, the vibes that that it sets off it also uses a, a mechanical system called contests uh, which is a little bit of a different dice mechanic than you you normally see um mm -hmm. so uh, uh there's there's a bunch of other you know bits in there but yeah that's the overview it has some really cool stuff going on there too the the big one i told you this right off the hop it it just if you want to play a hollow knight tabletop role-playing game <laughs> this is yeah. the one for you it and it also like best compliment i can give this is uh are you familiar with mouse guard uh, a little bit. I've heard of it, but I've never um, taken a deep look. It reminds me of Mouse Guard, but with bugs, which is like <laughs> high. I really like this game, like a whole bunch. I'm already like in the talks of like finding people to at least jump into the quick start with. Yeah. So like, it, it's 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 great, and we're gonna dive into that in a second. One of the things that does make it great, though, I think, is the the mechanics for it and that's the 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 contest system mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about contest system and how that was developed for you uh yeah i mean we think of it uh, uh rolling dice against each other i think is uh, an age-old you know game that people have played um but you don't see it a lot in role-playing games um but the way that contests work is for your ability, instead of having like a number, you have a die. So it'll be like a, a, a D4 for your uh, intellect or a D8 for your might. And then when you want to use one of those abilities, you roll that die. And then the arbiter, who is the game master in Beetle Knight, rolls a challenge die. 
and whoever comes out on top is successful. So, uh, and then if you get a tie in a contest, it gives you another resource called Resolve that you can use to cast spells. So, um, so yeah, if you're, you know, uh, trying to convince the the Moth Queen not to uh, raid the ant colony because they've set up a trap, uh, then you would use your uh, your presence to try to convince her, but she's really stubborn, and so the uh, arbiter would roll maybe like a d10 or a d12 against your your die, and maybe you would have like a d8 for your your presence. Um, and if you're successful, then she's convinced. Uh, if you get a tie, uh, like I said, you do get that resolved resource, which we can talk more about later, but um, also, a new opportunity presents itself. So uh, perhaps, you know, she doesn't believe you, uh, but just then you notice that there is a spy from the the colony that, that's in the room. And so you have this other edge that you can um, pick up on. So, you know, that's the sort of uh, gist of the contest system. Oh, I, I'll add to that. Um, Combat works the same way, and so like your weapons, yeah. when you when you roll uh, to attack with the weapon, you're rolling against the opponent's defense, and so you have a defense die versus the weapon weapon die, and whichever uh, comes out on top is successful, and then the the damage is the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. So, I know because people are going to want to get into this a little bit too. You do have your four stats. That's might, intellect, presence, agility. But there are also a couple of other stats that are really important. For instance, HP and defense. And those tie into other dice as well. So how do people determine their either way to defend themselves or how healthy they are? Um, yeah, so uh, with HP, you just roll your, your might die four times and you pick the highest two. And that gives you your HP. and um, there's no, actually, uh, no leveling in the game. Uh, you only level up by getting, um, items or enhancements within the game. And so mm -hmm. that's how you would increase your HP. Um, uh, and then you have your, uh, defense, which is also driven by your, uh, your might or your agility whichever is higher, um, before you add any of the modifiers that come as you're building your character. Um, and then for each of those abilities, when you uh, select or roll for your species, uh, those uh, abilities will be modified again. And then the last kind of situation is uh, you get these special items when you're creating your character that could also uh, improve your um, uh, your abilities. So, for example, if you have um, a mossy circlet, you know, like a little crown, um, that would increase your presence by one. Um, oh, yeah, and I mentioned um, there's these plus one modifiers that are scattered throughout the uh, character creation process that can give you a little bit of an edge uh, when you're making these contest rolls. Yeah, your gear is very important to the character. It's it's rules light, but it's not like simple. 
which I love. <laughs> I call it medium crunch. That's um, probably the best way to describe it. <laughs> because uh, it, it's kind of funny, like the mechanical inspirations for the game are uh, Cairn and Pathfinder. <laughs> so, okay. um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty much the opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> um, but, you know, I wanted to make it so you can spin up a character really quickly. I really love that about a lot of these rules light systems. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can just roll up your character uh, in about 20 minutes. Um, so it's really easy to, to pick up, I, I hope. <laughs> uh, it has been for the, the folks that we, we played with. I will tell you, you can definitely make a character a lot faster than 20 minutes if you just roll the dice with each one. Because it's true. you have tables. And I love that when I was looking at this game to like just like build a couple characters and just be like really quick with it for instance like the first thing i got was like a a beetle and i can't remember what the abilities were exactly but it was a, a psychic beetle and i was able to just like grab some equipment really quick i know that he had like some glue or something like that mm -hmm. and it was great like how fast you can build that character and then get everything down and and just like light on the math too, which I appreciate. Like when I'm making something, I don't want to have to add like D and D five E. Sometimes I love mm -hmm. rolling stats for that game, but then like when you're doing your modifier table, that sucks. I hate I looking at that conversion chart. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, obtuse, and yeah, I, I mm -hmm. obviously I, I played five E quite a bit, and I've. <laughs> shown that to, to people and every time you introduce someone to that particular conversion it's like why why is this like yeah. this and it's like exactly. just trust it <laughs> it's balanced it um, works yeah so uh yeah there's a lot of opportunity for sort of intricacy as you play the game but <laughs> when it comes to up getting up and running i i think beetle knight is nice and quick and light Oh, yeah. I also really like a mechanic that also plays into the contest system. And I wanted to talk about it after the abilities because of how allocating dice during character creation works. And that's the promoting and demoting thing and how that both promotes you to use your items, but also world build and get assistance from players. So can you talk about promoting and demoting dice? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of scenarios where um, you might have an edge or you might not. So, um, you know, you, you can consider if you are uh, sneaking up on someone, um, but it's under the cover of dark and uh, you uh, are, work, you know, maybe you put on paint to, to dress you up in all black or something like that. So you're super yeah. hidden. Um, well, then uh, you might have your uh, agility die uh, promoted, which uh, let's say your, your die is a, a D6. If you promote it, you get to roll a D8 instead. And so it gives you just that much more of an edge when you're trying uh, an ability. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the powers that 
you uh, that you get these emblems um, that give you magical powers. They will also allow you to promote or demote dice. Um, but the hope is you uh, use kind of like creative ways of gaining an advantage in order to uh, help you out in this situation, and you're rewarded mechanically for it. Um, yeah, this is partially in the arbiter's hands to adjudicate, but um, it's also very much in the player's hands to to try. Um, at the same time, if you if you fumble or you misstep, demoting is a thing too, and so uh, you can have that uh, d6 be demoted down to a d4, and then your chances are slimmer and slimmer. Um, that you'll be successful with your roles. So, um, in addition to that, uh, you can kind of work together as a group to mm-hmm. even things. And it doesn't give you uh, a promotion, but you're allowed to add, uh, if you work together kind of as a team, you add a role um, together as a team in order to try to achieve something. Yeah, it's it's like an averaging system, right? That's how I kind of read it as. Actually, what it is is um, if you try to assist someone, um, so you know, uh, one of the characters is is trying to, uh, you know, climb a wall, <laughs> uh, and then another player says, "Hey, I'm going to try to assist and and lift them up." Uh, so that second player, they will uh, take. Uh, in this case, it might be their might die, and they uh, uh, describe how they're going to help. They take their might die and they demote it by one, and then they can add that to the kind of main actor's role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the idea is you work together, you gain more benefits. I really like this, especially, um, well, just all over, honestly. I was going to say during combat, but it's really all over. Um, because there is a major, major advantage to thinking of ways of creatively working together. Um, and I think that's fun. I definitely prefer when you can also hop in and do team moves or support your allies and feel rewarded with it. Yeah. And it's not tied to a specific magic or ability. So like, yeah, it's not like a class-based thing. Uh, where you know the the cleric heals people or the cleric helps people or whatever, mm-hmm. um, anyone can do it if you're creative about it. And you can describe how you're going to help. Well, my big thing in like so many role playing games are bad for this, and it'll be like the help action where it's like your character sacrifices all of their ability that round to give like a plus one, and like that's boring to me and i like these where you can creatively work with your friends to i don't know like to to benefit maybe it's a larger character in this holding an enemy back while somebody else attacks them in like if the die say you can try like that's that's kind of how it works and i really really appreciate that i mean it and i've thought about this but it's not in the in the book anywhere, but it does 
allow for some the possibility for some super powerful um, enemies or super difficult situations that can only really feasibly be accomplished if you work together. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is cool. And I really like it. it. I just think it works so well. We've been talking a little bit about combat and a bit of an inevitability when you play <laughs> enough of a game is death. Mm-hmm. I adore how this game handles death. Uh, it's a little video gamey. And I think that is for the best if a player wants, because there are people who really, really love their character and will hold on to them forever. And then there's people like me who's like, ah, they're dead. Time to roll a new one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about death and why this works so well for that specific. Well, it's funny. I, I was I was thinking about changing this section a little bit uh, subtly, but um, uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll tell you how. Um, you can tell me what you think. But um, yeah, so when you die, um, your the spirit of your character kind of collects uh, on your forehead. And if you take that as like a little bead um, or marble, and if you take that to a safe place, um, you can actually be recovered from that little seed. Um, and uh, and so it's kind of a choice for the player. Um, and you, you could also kind of think of it as a choice for the knight if they wish to die a noble death. But um, the way that I was considering changing it is that only happens perhaps uh, if you have remaining resolve, which is uh, uh, what you use to oh. kind of cast these uh, spells uh, or activate emblems. So anyway, that was the little change that I was considering putting in there. I like that because I like resource management, but I would definitely run that by play testers first yeah. because <laughs> like I said, it's, and we're going to talk about the emblems in a second because they're cool and incredibly powerful. But the thing is they're mm-hmm. incredibly power and they have a, a finite amount of uses per per chunk of time. So let's talk about emblems and resolve because they kind of go hand in hand together. Mm -hmm. You have a resource uh, tied to your character called resolve um, and you get resolve uh, from, uh, well, there's like a base resolve that all uh, knights receive and then your species and your special item gives you additional resolve. and this could be, it's kind of analogous to mana or, you know, spell slots or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, you use Resolve to activate emblems. Um, emblems can be thought of as these uh, magical patches or tokens that you carry along with you. And you can only attune to so many emblems at one time, depending on your, uh, your character's uh, build. Um, and so, you know, some examples for, of emblems would be um, like vine, pretty simple. The, the target is tangled in vines. Um, and then there's, uh, let's say, healing. So, uh, you know, it, you heal by a certain amount. 
our heal uh, ally by a certain amount. Or siphon, where uh, a target loses resolve and you siphon that into another target who gains that resolve back. Uh, and so there, there's a there's a pretty big list of emblems um, that can be used. Um, and yeah, that, it's kind of the spellcasting mechanic. But an interesting thing about it is you can switch out your emblems, you can trade with other players as you go through the game. Collecting new emblems is one of the ways that uh, you can gain more power. Um, and so uh, they're, they're kind of a fun piece of customization. Uh, uh, but again, at first, you just roll for which emblem, emblems you can start with. I think rolling to start with them is a really fun way to handle it too. Because that automatically starts it off with players sitting at the table being like, all right, I have I have heal, but my character is a frontline fighter. Like yeah. I, I want to be tougher and I want to be able to like stun or I get get a weapon power even. Mm-hmm. So like just yeah. having that is such a cool little way to have players interacting and there's all these kind of categories for the emblems like light and elemental force nature psychic and combat and so it can kind of color your character in certain ways as well um, which is kind of what you're describing i think you have this frontline fighter who's also a healer and it makes for a very different experience if you choose to engage with that uh, uh that mechanic uh, the other thing is, um, you know, it takes uh, actions during combat to use your emblems, uh, and you have a fixed number of actions, uh, three actions per turn. Um, but some emblems actually take multiple actions to, to cast, and then they also lower your resolve, and so they, they eat up your spellcasting resource. Uh, the last bit here, which is kind of fun, is... During rolls, if you hit a tie, you gain a resolve back. And so, um, and this is very, very directly inspired by uh, Hollow Knight. Um, and then also by this game um, from Diogo uh, Noguera. Noguera I, I, sorry, Diogo. Um, uh, where uh, a tie essentially gives you a resource. And so it gives you more resolve. Um, it, I like that because, uh, well, like in, in Hollow Knight, when you are in combat, you have spells or powers, um, but eventually they're depleted and you kind of have no choice, but to go in and get closer to the action, um, so that you build up that resource again. Um, Mm -hmm. and so... That's always an option here in Beetle Knight as well. It is a system that promotes you to be aggressive, but also tactical. Yeah. Yeah, and that I, I think it's worth calling out that um, there is definitely a focus here on combat. Um, yeah. And, you know, these, these tense scenarios that you have to sort of uh, figure out how to handle you know, a lot of times there's bad actors and, you know, you, you're a knight. You've been uh, designated by the iridescent order as 
uh, protectors of the realm. And uh, a lot of times that means uh, things are going to come to violence. Um, so if you're into that sort of thing, which I am, I find combat very fun in role-playing games. Uh, this is great for you. Uh, I don't think that means that uh, you can't have a great time with this in more of the role-playing world. In fact, when I play the game, most of the time we are role-playing and dealing with fun characters and you know getting seeped in the world. Um, but when you, when push comes to shove, we have a nice crunchy game here that uh, uh, that's that's fun in the moment. <laughs> well, you just talked a little bit about it with the Order of Iridescence and Knights. So let's get into the lore of this game a little bit because there's a nice little section about placing your character right in the world, which is the Call to Knighthood, mm-hmm. which has I think one of the the best little splashes of art on it, mainly because I love this beetle that's off to the left here. Oh yeah, uh, I, I I don't know why I love this design so much, but I I love them so much. So I appreciate that. What exactly is a knight though, and what is their role in the world? The idea here is that when uh, a bug, uh, which it could be a beetle, it could be uh, a lightning bug, a spider, what have you. When someone goes through an incredible, stressful, um, life-changing event, it kind of triggers a change in them. Um, and so the call to knighthood is a way of sort of codifying that or making it easy to generate that. So you, you essentially pick what you did before uh, you became a knight. Um, so this would be, you know, aphid rancher or lichen sculptor. Uh, and then, you know, something terrible happens to you. Uh, maybe a toxic flood or you are betrayed by a friend. Um, and then uh, because of that, what does your knight seek? Uh, so there's another table called seeks, uh, which, you know, maybe prevent others from feeling your pain or uh, escaping from your sorrow. Um, And so there's a a choice then that each character will have made um, to become a knight because of this calling. Um, If you've experienced a calling, uh, you can... uh, approach the iridescent order and you are sort of um well i I like to think of it as you're kind of put through some trials and then are set forth as a uh sort of a wandering peacekeeper um there's there's some challenges when dealing with the idea of a wandering peacekeeper um inherent in all i think role-playing games um, yeah, but I believe that just kind of the way that I'm kind of driving the the calling to, uh, the call to knighthood, it, it it's meant to sort of guide people to be good good characters, but it, mm-hmm. it really is up to the arbiter to 
um, sort of adjudicate that or create the consequences around that. Yeah. I also think it is important for us to note too, audience listeners, that these before then and seeks don't have mechanical benefits. So you can just make up your own stuff on what you're doing there. That's just, this is as written by the book and a a good way to launch yourself into the world as Mm -hmm. it's starting out. I also really like the histories and mysteries. It's, I think it's like a couple sentences long. Yeah, there's like six little things going on. Wipe. Well, it sets the tone. It's the sort of thing, uh, I mean, I'll read a couple, maybe. um, So, deep in the rotting log, that is the Millipede's fortress, a disease spreads like wildfire. No one knows the source. Perhaps they discovered something left by the termites long ago. The summer festival was canceled suddenly, and the Orb Weaver Queen has stopped talking to everyone. Has the brash new leader of the Court of the Katydids spoken too brazenly? The idea behind these story prompts is they uh, kind of help you understand what the game is going to be like. For an arbiter, it, it really does give you a set of things that you could run an adventure off of. Um, you know, maybe a couple sessions, one or two sessions, uh, off of each one of these things. Um, and then it also kind of, um, as a player, tells you how to expect to engage with the world. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to be traveling, coming across these conflicts and mysteries, and um, there's factions involved that you have to negotiate between someone you know there's always something wrong something weird happening um and and so it it ties into this supernatural magical um element as well uh i don't know the the whole reason for it is to set the tone and give you some ideas of what you can what you can do in the game i think it's a strong opener is really what i i think the right on and the reason I say that mainly is because they're not all they're not all themed the same way. Like the the summer web festival being canceled versus the the Milkteed's Fortress are two very different tones. Like one you have this what you know, oh leader of the court of the Katie did is outspoken and has somehow upset the orb weaver community that is a very different story than no one knows the source of this disease that's spewing out of a log yeah and i mean so i feel like the sort of high drama of role-playing games is a lot of fun And, and i you know the grand overarching you know campaigns it's it's a it's a blast, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, when I sit down at the table with my friends, um, you know, you these these other situations are also highly engaging, and sometimes they're the most memorable, you know, just little things. So, but I do got to call out the 
the Summer Web Festival was um, written by Chris Shorp, the editor. Um, so yeah, mm. that's that's his. Um, but you know, I, I stand by it, and um, the that more casual <laughs> uh, mode of play can be a lot of fun. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it won't you won't be able to use all your uh, you know, emblems and, and weapons and stuff to, to fix the problem. Um, perhaps the Orb Weaver Queen uh, has had enough and this was the last straw and it's about to get, uh, about to get scary. Yeah, which is its own fearful situation for a group of wandering peacekeepers. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, Jim, early on, you actually brought up the fact that this is you kind of reaching out and wanting to work more as a team. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've experienced since joining up with some other people for this? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to. Um, so, uh, you know, the game itself is something that I, I wrote and just played with some friends. It started as a pamphlet game. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just started adding and adding and, ripping pieces apart. You know, I, I didn't know necessarily where I wanted it to land. Um, yeah. It's just, you just start playing with things. Um, this past summer, I uh, I actually posted on the NSR Discord um, mm. with a preview of the game. And this guy, Chris Shorb, um, he loved the game and he starts like leaving all these really detailed notes like really detailed and like hey um uh can i pay you for this this is like really great can we work <laughs> together um and so he went through and and gave me sort of uh uh well he came on board as a game development editor and you know he uh would leave like uh, one little note, which totally like blew things out of the water for me. And also like just helped hone what I was trying to do and, and focus it. So, you know, working with him has been really great. Um, I, I also brought, well, I reached out to a couple people who um, I respect or have worked with before. Um, and mm -hmm. Uh, Amanda P, um, who she wrote um, The Pilgrimage of the Sun Guard, which is a really cool journaling solo game um, that, you know, I, I recently played. So, you know, I reached out to her and she's pretty much everyone that uh, I've been able to reach out to and like contact. They're like, yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's work together. <laughs> um, Amanda was great, though. She, you know, has played Hollow Knight, <laughs> so that's helpful. Um, yeah. And uh, when she 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 wrote some NPCs for this um, world guide, uh, the world of uh, Beetle Knight is called uh, Litterfall, and I love that. Um, it's a it's a scientific term. <laughs> actually really uh, uh yeah for just the leaf cover um on the ground in, in the in the woods huh. so at any rate um 
So she's running these NPCs and, um, you know, each NPC has like multiple story hooks that you can plug into. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. There's, uh, she was asking about, uh, names and factions and what bugs she should use. And so she was just good to work at work with because she, uh, had a lot of back and forth. And she also yeah. recommended, I was looking for someone to write an adventure. Um, and she recommended uh, M. Tintania, who uh, she wrote um, Fang Witch Falls, which is actually okay. um, in my list of inspirations. <laughs> so um, oh, that's fun. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, uh, I tried a few times to get a hold of her and I was, I was just. I was talking to the wrong, I was reaching out in the wrong way. And so I finally got a hold of her. She's like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so she's writing a, a whole adventure and, um, the way that they write, uh, just ties in and the themes that they use just really tie in to Beetle Knight perfectly. Mm Um, anyway, uh, I, uh, I was able to contact WF Smith. He wrote uh, Barkeep on the Borderlands, so we worked together before, um, and he's going to do some factions, um, so I'm excited about that. Matthew Morris, you know, so, uh, you know, those are the writers. Uh, Matthew Morris, he's he's going to work on the solo game mechanics, but it's not started yeah. yet, so i got to um, work with him on that. Um, I didn't even know there was a solo version coming out. I didn't see that. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I haven't publicize a whole bunch about it, but it's going to be in the, uh, in the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter has, um, the core game, a world guide two adventures and the solo rules. So, <laughs> um, this is the one thing about working with other people. Uh, I initially planned one book and then I started talking to all these folks and it's like, wait a second, this is going to be, this is going to be multiple zines. Um, and I didn't intend for that to happen, but I'm very happy <laughs> that, it, that it happened. There's also some really great artists in here. So uh, I, I've done a lot of the art for the core book, um, mm-hmm. but then uh, Perplexing Ruins has done some artwork for it. Um, I'm getting uh, Roke Romero, who he's done some, uh, some work uh, illustrating for I'm trying to think of the name of the supplement um, Codex R um, it's for Troika oh yes okay yeah you I mean the art is extremely distinct yes it's a super cool art style yeah um, and so he's doing some uh, art for Litterfall and for one of the adventures um, and we've been wanting to work together for a while. Mm-hmm. You just start talking with people, and then uh, everyone is just like excited about making things. So I I don't know. That's great. I find that's a pretty common story in the tabletop role playing game space. Are you like, oh yeah, I talked to this one person, and now the team is thirty people. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it it was gradual getting to this point. So yeah. 
at first it was all me. And then I, I did hire an editor and I wound up um, hiring an old friend of mine to do editing, um, AJ Montague, and she's doing editing on this project as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I started working with her as a writer and she did a huge amount of writing for my last project, Worldlings. Um, and then uh, also in that project, I started working with another artist. And so it started, it kind of like ramped up to where I am right now, working with a number of different creators. And I got to say, I was really intimidated to start reaching out to other people. Um, yeah. But there was there was nothing to be afraid of. Um, people are just people. Even, I mean, we, we're in such a small scene. Your celebrities in this scene are, you know, they're just like you. <laughs> they're just like you. So they're people you can get in contact with pretty easily if you just reach out. Yeah, and they're just nerds, you know. Yeah, they just exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so Jim, the Kickstarter, as of people hearing this episode, is actually out. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about. Kickstarter, how it's running, what people, I know you mentioned there's going to be a couple different zines people can get, but mm-hmm. like how long it's running for and like what drove you to Kickstarter? So, I mean, I've wanted to bring this to Kickstarter for a while. I, after working with Chris, I finally felt like the project was ready for a wider audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so Zine Quest was coming up. I'm like, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, that, that's that's the that's the motivation there. Um, when it <laughs> runs, it's running all of February. So um, if if it's February, you can back it. Um, and there's a, a number of different funding tiers. So because it's kind of bubbled up into so many zines, um, there's a Kind of entry level tier uh, called Litterfall Relic, which just gives you the Beetle Knight core book, which was going to be uh, a Resograph cover. Um, uh, it's all black and white and signed, but um, I'm working with Hobo Collective um, to um, get some really nice materials. So it's going to feel very nice in your hand and, and be sort of a a relic that you can hold on to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's $14. Uh, and then there's, uh, you get all the zines and that's at a higher, uh, sort of amount. And then the highest level here, um, you get a printed t-shirt with the, with the art from the cover. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I, I printed one of those t-shirts and, it's just one of my favorite shirts. It's kind of dorky to wear your own art, but uh, anyway, uh, those are the levels. Audience, I will also say if you see the art here and are like, I wonder what this would look like in color. Uh, just so you know, there's uh, on Brooklyn <laughs> Games itch. There's also a coloring book of Beetle Knight. So add your own <laughs> color to this. Yeah, As somebody who adores the concept of a TTRPG coloring book. I love it. I think it's just a lot of fun to have <laughs> the art as 
not even necessarily as something you need to color, but just being able to take a look at it, like a little bit more blown up, like instead of just like in in the zine. Like it's just a very different kind of cool process. Oh, uh, the the uh, that coloring book page uh, was was actually for a failed Kickstarter. Uh, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Joy Peddler Games. We thought a lot of people would like a coloring book too, but not so much. Oh, ultimately. that's so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. There's like some good art in there, but um, but yeah, uh, you can go and get that coloring book page. I think well, it's gonna be free. So um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Jim, what drives you to creating the tabletop role playing game space? Um. I don't know. It's fun. <laughs> <clears throat> um, no, that's that's a great answer. Uh, it, uh, you know, I I don't think I'm gonna make like a lot of money off of this Kickstarter, frankly. Um, but putting something out and having people play it, and you know, just think about how impactful those those games that you played are to you yeah um it could be uh, you know that that could be an awesome little legacy of mine um, i don't know that sort of stuff is is exciting but it also i start talking about it and it uh i feel like really dorky but um no that there is one thing here um the whole thing is being uh released under creative commons oh, that's um, exciting. And so it's that CC, uh, BY, Creative Commons, same as Cairn. Um, yeah. So anyone can take it and uh, hack it. And I hope people do. I hope people take it and do crazy stuff with it. So, yeah. I hope that for you too, because, I mean, I've I've talked about how excited I am about this game. My girlfriend probably wants me to shut up about it. <laughs> because I was just like, oh, it's it's the main thing is there's a beetle and I'm in the shop to get a beetle tattoo at the moment. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. This game, when I said this game came to me at the perfect time, Jim, it came to me at the perfect time. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I don't know. I, I love it. It's, it's light. It's got a really fun combat system that works really well on the table. It has such a cool and quick character creation. I think the entire thing's like like thirty pages or less. It's yeah, it's great. I I just think you have something that's very cool here, and I I think people are gonna love it. And the art's just phenomenal. Well, like, thanks, frankly, Zach. it's <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm gonna give the compliment there because like it's it just drips with personality. And it catches the tone so well. I I really like it, and I I hope to see more people checking out Beetle Knight because it's great. Yeah, Jim, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, where can people find out more about you, Brooklyn Games, and Beetle Knight? Uh, well, I mean the Kickstarter page. Uh, perhaps there will be a link, uh, but I'm sure you can just uh, Google uh, Google Beetle Knight Kickstarter. Um, I'm on Blue Sky the most, so uh, you just look for Brooklyn Games on Blue Sky. Um, but I'm on Threads and Instagram too. 
Um, and then uh, you can also go to brooklygames.com and you can buy uh, my zines from there, uh, either digitally or as a PDF. Or, uh, I'm sorry, as a, in print. And Jim is correct, audience. Top link in the description below will be the link directly to the Kickstarter. Go check out Jim. Go check out Brooklyn Games. Go check out Beetle Knight. Support these wonderful creators. This game looks fucking great. It looks great. Um, <laughs> Jim, I can cut out that effort if you want. Because, <laughs> no, like, we, that, that was the first cuss of this I entire know. thing. I know. Yeah, we can get rid of it. <laughs> I have a, like I mentioned, I have a two-year-old. So I, I'm, I have a strong filter. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Yes, we will cut it then so that it'll no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. Care. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for joining me this week to talk about Beetle Night. I loved having you here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. It's fun. Yeah, it, I'm glad you had a good time. And audience, thank you so much for listening. Jim, Brooklyn Games, and Beetle Knight are all scheduled to launch real soon. They're currently backing on Kickstarter, so go show them support before the end of the month, and you'll you'll probably love this game. It's really good. That's all from me, though. Until next time, take care of yourselves, and I hope to see you real soon. Bye. Thank you so much to Jim for joining me on the podcast this week. Beetle Knight is currently funding on Kickstarter and has actually already reached its goal by quite a considerable amount. Congratulations to Jim and the rest of the Beetle Knight team for that. If you want to back this game, head on over to Kickstarter and search for Beetle Knight or check out the top link in the description below. I highly recommend Beetle Knight. It's really fun and I will certainly be diving deeper into it in the future. And thank you for joining us, audience. Some of you have been really active listeners over the past couple weeks, so thanks for that. You've really been driving up the numbers. If you like the show and you want to help it grow, though, consider leaving a review on your podcatcher and share it with a friend, as word of mouth is how we grow around here. If you have a creator or are a creator and you'd like to have them on the show or be on the show, please shoot me a message and I'll see about getting that all together for you. That's everything for me, though. Hope to see you somewhere out there. <laughs>